0: Welcome back to another episode of Unapologetically. I'm your host, Jackie, and we are diving right into episode two. We are going to be joined by Danielle, who is going to share all about her journey with Sober Curiosity. It is a really wonderful episode, but before we dive into that, I want to just kind of lay the groundwork for what you're going to hear in this episode and tell you a little bit just about my own journey with drinking. The episode today is going to resonate with a lot of folks, just given this new focus on what health looks like and what's working for our bodies and what isn't. We have a really interesting conversation about what it looks like for different generations to drink. I grew up in kind of a party family and we were always surrounded by drinking and people were always having fun. And so for me, when I was growing up, what I associated with drinking was having a good time. And so when I started drinking, I did the same thing. I associated it with having a good time. My first drink was with my cousin when I was maybe 14. And we were at this party and I felt so grown up and so cool because we were in the city and I just thought it it was – the coolest experience ever. When I was in a sorority, it was all about what party are we going to? How much are we going to drink this weekend? Are we going to start on Thursday? Is it going to be three days worth of drinking? It was pretty much a, a focus within my life. And it wasn't until I was older, definitely well past 30, where I started to really question what my relationship was with Drinking, and we'll talk about the definition of sober curiosity when we're in the episode itself, but sober curiosity about being mindful about what your relationship is with drinking. I tell a story about a family party that I was at where I really had this kind of intense realization about what drinking did for me, and I think I still – I'm trying to figure out its place in my life. I have gotten so much better. Even just when I was editing this episode, I think I was a little less secure about what alcohol's place was in my life. And now I feel like if I don't want to have a drink, I don't have a drink. And no one makes me feel bad about that. Even just a month or so ago when we recorded this, I was still trying to figure that out because I had been newly speaking to somebody and drinking is such a big part of dating culture, especially here in Chicago. And to figure out what that relationship looks like in a dating scenario is kind of overwhelming when you're already so anxious about going on dates and meeting someone new and making sure that you're showing up as your true self. I realized if I really wanted to show up as my authentic self, I had to be real about, yes, I want to drink in this situation. No, I don't. That was very different from a lot of experiences that I had had in my past. I have really tried to step into my own when it comes to the decisions that I'm making, and I'm not letting anybody else influence what that looks like for me which again, I talked about this in the first episode, is really hard for me because I want people to like me. And part of what, you know, part of that is, are they going to like me if I'm not drinking? Are they going to think I'm fun if I'm not drinking? And hell yeah, I'm super fun when I'm not drinking. I'm super fun, totally sober. Because of all of this work that I've done internally, I've Come to this realization that I don't need the drinking. And I never did. I was never someone who was awkward in social situations. I was always able to carry a conversation, hold my own in a conversation. I was actually just told today that I'm really good in social situations, which is just a little bit of validation that no, I don't need to drink. I don't need to if I don't want to. Now, if I want to, I think I have finally found a good place where I'm at in my drinking journey. It's whatever is going to make you feel your best. Whatever your journey is, is the right one for you. I talk a little bit about this in the in the episode. There was a time in my life where I was definitely binge drinking. I think a lot of millennials combated binge drinking because it was such a big part of our culture. And now I see a lot of my friends making decisions about sobriety in their life and cutting back on different types of alcohol and when they drink and how they drink. Just being a lot more mindful about it, I think that that's really just what we're trying to get at in this episode. So just as a quick content warning, there is going to be conversation about some really unhealthy habits that I had when I was younger and was not as mindful about my drinking. But I think so much of that is important to share because there are a lot of us who felt the same way I did about drinking and about what drinking the the relationship we had with drinking, especially in in our mid to late 20s. I talk a little bit about the happy hour culture that kind of surrounded, I think, a lot of jobs. I only can speak to teaching because that's what I know. So we'll definitely touch on that. Again, I share my own personal story. Danielle is going to share her own personal story But the one thing that I really want you to get out of this episode is what is your relationship with alcohol like and do you feel okay with that? If you do, awesome. If you think you might want to reflect on it, do that. I will have someone on a good friend of mine who has been living sober for quite a few years now and he is going to share his story about that decision and what his life looks like now and you know for certain people that is a decision that they have to make to in order to live their healthiest life and in order to be their best selves. Danielle gives some really great pieces of advice at the end of the episode so I hope that you enjoy hearing from my work bestie I am joined today by the girl who has really supported me in starting this podcast and who I audio message every single second of every single day. Welcome, Danielle Brown.
1: I love the intro. And yes, all of those things are very, very true. I don't think I even like appreciated a voice message until I met you. And now (laughs) it's like part of my
0: personality. So thank you. Of course. And I feel like today, because we were in anticipation of doing this, like we have not audio messaged at all today, which is very weird for us. Hopefully we'll get back at it once we are done recording this today. Um, I'm sure we will. (laughs) Today we are going to be talking about Danielle's journey through her decision to be sober curious, starting at the beginning of the year. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic. It is one that has been on my mind for a really long time. It is a topic that is on trend right now, given that it's the beginning of the year and so many people do dry January. And a little bit about what Sober Curious is, is it's about being mindful about the role alcohol plays in your life. It is not necessarily about going completely sober. It is about really thinking about your relationship with alcohol. There has been a 259% increase in searches about dry January compared to where we were in 2022. I know that living in Chicago, I have seen a growing amount of just different mocktails and things like that on menus. It's so easy to go Uh, sober in this city now, which is really awesome. Even just last week, I was at an event that was in a store that was completely alcohol free, which was really awesome. Danielle, is it similar in Phoenix or is it more difficult to live a sober curious life? I remember
1: when we were first talking about it, even like when we traveled together, like you would seek out mocktails, right? And like some cities we go to, It's like, would you like a soda water? And typically, like, that's my go-to. Soda water with lemon, like, call it good. But I don't know if it's, like, the height of the movement. I don't know if it's the fact that it's dry January. A lot of people are challenging themselves to engage in, like, this sober, curious lifestyle. But there have, I've seen so many events pop up now of dry experiences like there is a market around the way that hosted a non-alcoholic night when was a drag queen there and there was um, non-alcoholic beverages and so while i don't think we're at the cocktail stage yet like if you go to a bar you're pretty gonna be left with soda water and a lemon um but i think people are trying and actually i went out with friends last friday and i was like all ready to order my soda water with lemon And the guy behind the bar was like, oh, look at this list of like non-alcoholic choices we have. And I was like, okay, like very curious. So it was like labeled as a dry January list. And there were three things on there, like uh, a seltzer, a beer, and maybe something else. But I've never even seen that in a bar here until recently. So even that, I think, is a jump from just your soda water at the bar.
0: I remember when we went on our first work trip. So for some context. Danielle lives in Phoenix. I live in Chicago. And so the first time that we met was what, last March, April? March, yeah. yeah. Um, and So we had, our organization is based in DC and we went out for drinks together. We sat at a bar at our hotel and it was non-existent. So if I wanted to have something to drink, it was the soda water, like you said. And what I invented when I was at that particular workouting was splash of ginger beer and soda water. I think I still at that point was a little nervous about why I'm not drinking and everyone else is drinking and are people going to comment on it. And luckily one of our other friends was also not drinking. And so it made me feel a little bit more comfortable. But I think at that point, I still wasn't totally secure in my ability to be okay with that social situation. And we'll get into what it's like to be sober while in social interactions a little bit later on. But that was, you know, that was really the first time where I was like, we're at a work event. I want to make sure that, you know, I stay true to this. And it ended up being fine. And no one said anything and no one cared. And I think that I just needed to get over that hump to feel better about it. And it's also obviously really good to have, the support system and people who are around you that aren't going to comment on it, aren't going to care, you know? So just kind of thinking about what your story is, I'd love to hear a little bit about why you decided to go sober curious. What was that like to kind of start? Yeah. So I
1: have always been in the business of, I love living a very themed life. And so like, I would go dry January, dry July, not so much sober October, but I found myself challenging myself in the months that I knew were the hardest to not drink in, right? It's a new year. People are going out. Like, I had your last sip of champagne at 11.58 because, like, you're staying true to this. Or because I am in Phoenix, like, pool party season basically lasts from anywhere from April all the way until October. And with pool parties, um yeah. comes- beverages and lots of beverages and so I would do dry July as like my stronghold of like look at me I can do this and so that's always kind of been what I've done also previously I went through a phase where I was like a craft beer connoisseur like any craft beer I had to go to a brewery I had to have it in my fridge and then I stopped for a while for vanity reasons because like beer makes me bloated and so I'm like never drinking beer again And I stopped for a while and then something new came out and I was like, okay, back to drinking that beer. So it's not like this is kind of foreign to me. I've dappled, I've played, but most recently I've just really considered what alcohol does or doesn't do for me. And I think it's like really important for people to understand their own why because I think that helps you make that decision, right? So I grew up overseas in which the legal drinking age was anywhere between 16 and 18 so this idea of like having alcohol as a part of like just something that you would do like you would go out on a Saturday night and you would have a beer or whatever was like something that I experienced and so my way into college most unlike I think most college entrance like I wasn't really keen on like getting blacked out all weekend or like wanting to drink all the time and so as I grew through that I was just like okay well like what does alcohol offer me sometimes it's like the relaxation sometimes it's in moments of celebration but like can those moments still be as powerful without drinking and also do I feel better the next day right I'm at an age where well I often joke with my friends but it's real like the next day is too hard to handle right um the headache that... Uh, two days. <laughs> the next two days. Maybe I'm not at that age yet, Jackie. Right now it's just like a day for me.
0: <laughs> but it's like the next day. You're not like, that much younger than me, okay? Let's put that out there right now.
1: <laughs> Jackie's like, let's clear the air. But yeah. But sometimes it's like that next day you're like, ugh, why? Like, was that necessary? Um, and then also like because I like to dabble I lived in wine country for a little bit like wine country for us and so I was like always at wineries my birthdays were at wineries I would take weekend trips I would go to wine festivals all the time and then I became like a wine drinker right and that felt so sophisticated and grown up and all these things and then I subbed to wine and then I would like have my outings at wine places and I just like started to think like One, what is this going to do to me in the long run? I'm at an age now, too, where I think I'm being really cognizant of my age and longevity. And so I really consider, like, so what does this look like for me? And that's basically my story. Like, kind of just went cold turkey. I think I stopped drinking December 30th because, again, my personality is, like, all in or not at all. So I did it before the new year.
0: That's awesome. And how is it going now like just a brief overview of how you feel how has it been since you made the decision
1: so it's really interesting because of course as is my personality i keep of like a sober curious journal and i document like when i feel like i want to drink and why um so we're what 24 days into the year so 26 days for me not having a drink And it's been fine, honestly. Um, There was one day last week that I was like, this is a moment where I would have wanted to drink. And there was nothing that was like really catastrophic. It was just like, I'm so used to had a long day, have a glass of wine, making a certain meal, have a glass of wine while you're making it, have a glass of wine while you're eating it. And I had to like pause for a second and be like, but why is that my inclination? So instead, I did something different. I worked out. I went outside and just, like, enjoyed fresh air, which may sound cliche, but, like, those are the things that I did to kind of, like, move from this, oh, I really wish I had a glass of wine right now. Um, and then also, I think it's been going well so far because my core group of friends knows, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm very vocal. Not vocal, but, like, I share. I am, in like, introducing an alcohol-free life. I have a really fresh story because yesterday I was in a large social group of friends, but who are not my core group. And we went to a place where normally we drink. So I can
0: talk about that later. I love some of the things that you said, and we'll get to that social piece in, in just a second. But I just want to make sure that we really hit home this idea of finding your why, I think is so important because to your point, having that why makes it so much easier than to tell folks like, hey, I'm not drinking tonight, or I just don't feel like doing that. And you don't have to give any other explanation, but if you're not secure in that why, that makes it so much harder. What hit home for me was we had my dad's 70th birthday here at my condo, and tequila's flowing, people are drinking wine, it's this very celebratory, really fun thing and it hit me that you know as i i started to feel myself getting tipsy i was like there's going to be moments of tonight that i am not going to remember and that makes me really sad because I had family members who are in their mid-90s who were here. And, you know, I want to make sure that these are things that I remember and that I can clearly recall and tell stories about. And I felt like there was a moment in that night where I was like, I am not going to remember some of the things that happened tonight. And that made me so sad. And that's when I... Really had decided to try to not drink at that point. But I was dating, so that made it really hard. There were times where I was like, Well, I guess I'll have a glass of wine, even though I wasn't, I didn't really feel like it and I really didn't want to. But again, that comes with time and it comes with you being secure in your why. And so it's not going to be a perfect system all the time. Sometimes you might go a couple months and then give in a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you're going to. Be awesome at it at all times, and I think that's the part of sober curious that is really important. Is it's it's about being mindful of the alcohol that you are consuming. So it's less about I'm never going to drink again, never going to touch anything again. I am going to, you know, just be more mindful of of that. So you went to this big celebration for you yesterday. So how was that to be the the person of the hour and to not have a drink.
1: Yeah. So it was really interesting for a multitude of reasons. Like, yes, people are there to celebrate you, right? The place that we go to is a place that we often go to for celebrations. And there is the word beer in the title, like you go there to drink. And so that group of people know me as someone who imbibes right like they know that I am a drinker and so it was interesting to like sit and everyone's ordering like I'll take a margarita I'll take a glass of wine I'll take a beer and I'm like can I have a lemonade and like not that there was like a pause in the record but someone was like lemonade and I was like yeah you know I'm practicing or really and I call it a practice because I do think it's a practice but I said I'm practicing an alcohol-free life right I want to see what that does for me it was helpful that one of my core people is also on his own journey of alcohol-free, sober curious, like whatever you want to call it. But it looks very different for both of us. But like he was there, he had already known, and he too wasn't drinking that evening. So he'd like order an iced tea and people were kind of just like, are you, are you guys doing this together? Because we often get that look. And I think we've come to our own reasons why, to your point. And, you know, we just kind of show up in the way that we want to, but it wasn't a big deal. I just said I'm not drinking and one friend did mention so she was like are you are you moving into this like alcohol free movement like Gen Z and then like, we had this whole conversation about how Gen Z is like not drinking and how everywhere you look everything's non-alcoholic and I was like I don't know if it's that so much for me of like wanting to be Gen Z like go off Gen Z appreciate you can't wait to see what you do in the world but it was more so like a place for me to consider again, like what alcohol does or doesn't do for me. Yeah, it was fine. There was like maybe a comment. And then again, it was just like something I'm doing.
0: (laughs) I think that for me was one of the hardest things to overcome because there would be times where they're like I said, Chicago is very good about having alcohol free cocktails and mocktails and things like that. But I would always get especially if I was on a date, it would be oh, you want the alcohol-free drink? And I would be like, yes, that's what I ordered. Like, yes, that's what I want. And so then it would make me feel a little self-conscious because I was getting called out for that. And I've had guys tell me like, well, I'm not going to drink if you're not going to drink. Like, I don't want I don't want to be uncomfortable. And it's like, I don't care what you do yeah. as long as you're enjoying your time and just – Don't care what I do, you know. Like I I have never been of the belief or the mindset that I'm gonna control what whoever I'm with their decisions right. Like I would never say to somebody, are you sure you really want that chicken on the menu? You know, I would never do that. So to sit there and comment on someone's drink choice is just so interesting to me because I don't know, like it's just a decision that I'm making and I don't get that. Yeah. So I think that's really
1: funny because I have been in a situation where someone has offered me a drink after they know that I've like am on this journey
0: and their immediate yeah.
1: reaction was to feel remorse and to be sorry. One, the fact that yeah. they were drinking and two, that they offered. And I was like, like, there's nothing to be sorry about. Our interactions up until this point have revolved around having cocktails with one another. This is new for me. And so you offering doesn't, like, trigger me. It doesn't make me feel any way. And you drinking also doesn't make me feel any way about you. Like, you're making your life choices and I'm making mine. I do think that it's so interesting as we think about, like, sober curiosity, alcohol-free, you know, really mindful drinking. I don't know if people can separate the two from someone who is saying, I have a problem with alcohol. Therefore, I'm stopping to, like, I'm stopping drinking is very different in my mind of like, I'm making a choice to no longer have alcohol. And so I think yeah, people don't yeah. know how to how to enter into that space with you because they, I don't know if they see clearly the difference, right? And so they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm drinking in front of her, is this gonna be okay?
0: Yeah, it's totally fine, like do you. I'll just have soda that's, water, I'm okay. That's so interesting. Cause I don't know if you remember, we went on a walk when we were on some work trip and I was talking about the dating apps and there's, on Bumble, there's different categories for your level of drinking. And mm-hmm. there's one that's like, you know, frequently, one that's social, one that's rarely, and then they're sober. And I was like, oh, I don't put that I'm sober because I think that that has a different connotation than if I say rarely or, you know, whatever. And again, that was all kind of in my head, I remember being like, well, you know, there is a difference and I don't want someone to think that like, you know, there is a problem with my alcohol use. But truthfully, I knew that there were moments in my past where I did not like my alcohol use, you know, Being a teacher, I would be like, it's Friday. We are going to go out. We are going to party. I was like best friends with all of my colleagues. And we knew exactly what bar we were going to go to. We knew exactly where we were going to go after that bar. And then our nights would last sometimes until 2 o'clock in the morning. And we knew that happy hour was going to be waiting for us. And there were going to be specials on those drinks because we were teachers. And, And it was very much a part of our personality, I would say for a really long time that that was just what we did because we worked hard and it wasn't healthy for me. I love what you said about, you know, your friend saying, Oh, are you are you trying to be Gen Z? Because I do see a very significant difference between the alcohol use of Gen Z and even early millennials early is it early millennials? We're elder millennials. Oh, we're, elder, yeah, we're elder millennials. So that yeah. the young millennials. I see a difference right i'm part of this organization where there's a lot of late 20s early 30 girls and they aren't drinking not the way that i was late 20s early 30s right i could not even imagine all the weddings that i went to and not drinking at those you know whereas like i talk to these girls now and they don't care about that at all right and so i'm just curious if you have any thoughts or reflections on why those of us who are, you know, mid to elder millennials have this particular relationship with alcohol versus the younger generation who it's not even really a thing for them. I do. And honestly, I was like,
1: I hope this comes up in the conversation because I really have been thinking through like what this is. And I do think like mid to elder millennials, we grew up in such a like, Drinking culture, right? Mm-hmm. You think about like um, the idea of like being a wine mom, or I think back to the times where like I've saved different ways to like fill up a tumbler, insert whatever tumbler like is hot at the moment with wine, and you can fill up a whole bottle. Or the amount of gag gifts that I've bought people and like secretly wanted myself of like these big ass wine glasses or like the wine glass that you pour wine into and the top is in glass, but the rest is a bottle like there is just such this culture or vision of like drinking is what we do right like that
0: defines our culture binge drinking too yeah yeah like no
1: one really should be drinking a whole bottle of wine but if you make a cup that says if it's a bottle of wine what do you think is going to happen We're drinking a bottle of wine on a Tuesday night while making spaghetti. So I think that's part of it. I think that there's this, everything around us as we grew up into these spaces where like, you know, it's alcohol, let's drink, let's, I mean, even from like things like, I think of college time and like, just like the different challenges, like you think about the ice challenges and like when Zima came back out, like there was just like all these things that, said you're a part of this like age group because you have these experiences and oftentimes these experiences revolved around alcohol and I just think we some people live into that right and so then you take a step back and maybe it is the influence of gen z so I'm not going to knock like maybe that is it but Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more and more and like too like we've had this conversation I think, especially like the way my brain works, when I am, am infested in doing something, I see it more than I've ever seen it before. Every day, I feel like there's like some reminder of why I'm choosing alcohol freedom, why I'm choosing like the silver curiosity, whether it's in media, whether it's in a book I'm reading, like it shows up and it could have always been there and I never paid attention because that like wasn't where I was at in my life. I don't think our generation sees alcohol usage in a way that's like, concerning. It's just a thing you do. You drink.
0: Yeah. And I think too, we grew up where it was fun to post pictures of us acting like boneheads. Like, I mean, we were so stupid and we posted all of that for everyone to see. I was proud of the fact that it looked like I was having a good time because for a long time I was a pretty big partier. I loved going out with my friends. I loved posting all the things on Facebook. And because okay. at that point, it was just Facebook. Okay. And you know, then that's what got me the likes like, oh my gosh, that looks so fun. And you look like you're having a blast. And I fed off of that, right. And I think now the way that Gen Z grew up and, you know, those that are younger than us, the way that they grew up was like, you don't post any of that on any on, on any social media whatsoever, you know? Um, and then on top of it, because of social media and all of the things that we see, I mean, you know, I'm a TikTok girl. I love TikTok. <laughs> For context, Danielle is not a TikTok girl. She's not she, a TikToker, y'all, TikTok all And I'm like... She gets the TikToks six months later on Instagram reels. <laughs> them to her. There's healthy videos and teen girl aesthetic and different challenges now, right? Like there's Alex Earl, who's the biggest TikTok star right now is doing this 30 hard challenge. Mm. And everyone is seeing this now where she's not, and she's a partier. She is unapologetic about her drinking, but she is taking these 30 days off. And it's become a thing that this, you know, these 20, 21, 22, 23 year olds are now doing, if you would have told me to not drink for 30 days at 23 years old, I would have been like, fuck off. Like there is no way that that would have ever happened. Right. And so, um, so I think that there's also just a different attitude towards health. Um, I I was telling someone like my diet for quite a while, I would run seven miles, eat some pizza, drink some vodka, and then like snack the rest of the day, right? Like I tell that to someone and they're like, you had a problem. Like what's wrong with you, right? But I didn't see it as anything. I didn't see it as that was a problem in any sort of way. That was just how we all lived. And so I think to this influence of social media and the way that we talk about health now is just so different, right? Because you said like you're trying to think about your health, you're trying to think about longevity. I was really on this journey of balancing hormones and making sure that I was doing and consuming things that were going to get me back into That space of being healthy in terms of my hormones and alcohol is definitely a big part of that, right? We see this different picture of health, I think, now that we certainly didn't have when we were younger.
1: For sure. And Um, I think there's also like some vanity metrics too, right? Like, supposedly when you stop drinking, your skin gets better and all these things change for you. And so I'm not naive to the fact that I also think about like, okay, like what will my skin look like if I'm not always like, you know, having wine before bed? Like, will I wake up brighter eyed, bushy told, Like, will I have like less bags and a swollen face? Um, so like, that's a part of it too. But that's not my main driver. But I do think about those things.
0: <laughs> so that's so true. Because I know a lot of times <laughs> when people start these challenges, it's a lot of like, well, I want to lose weight, or I want my face to de-puff. When you see before and afters of people who decide to go sober, it's like, This is what my face looked like before. This is what my face looked like after. This is how much weight I lost because I gave up alcohol. I I don't think that we can negate that aspect of it either because that is a driving force, I think, for a lot of people. So you have been on this journey for almost a month now. Is there anything that you've learned, anything that you're proud of that you want to touch on at this point?
1: I will say that something that I'm proud of, slash learn, slash kind of like all of the above,
0: that there
1: are ways to engage in fun activities, learning something new by engaging in alcohol freedom. I'm a big proponent of using your public library, especially, I mean, all the time. But right now, like that kind of stuff is on the shelves, front and center, right? So I just picked up a book the other day that's like, I don't know, fifty. Different things you can do instead of consuming alcohol. And there was like really good ideas in there. Beyond your go take a walk, go do a puzzle. But there was ways to explore your community that wasn't based in alcohol. There was ways to like be creative. And so I think those kinds of things have been interesting. I've also been challenging myself to make a mocktail a week. Also, visit your public library. There's tons of mocktail like cookbooks. And so that's been fun because I think for me too, as I am going through this and I'm reflecting, you know, sometimes the appeal or the allure of drinking alcohol to have a cocktail is the, the feeling you get by having this beautiful picture worthy thing that's placed in front of you, smoke and foams and all the things, right? But that can also be done sans alcohol. And at the end of the day, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm not texting my f- group of friends saying, Ugh, "I feel like I'm gonna die," or yeah. like sending the same gift every other weekend because we went hard on a Saturday and Sunday. I'm just like, "Yep, this is me again, unable to function," and that doesn't yeah. feel good. It didn't feel good for me. It didn't feel good to know that I have like this one beautiful, precious life, and every other weekend or you know a couple weekends a month, I'm spending some hours the night before having fun doing all the drinks and whatever but then i'm impacted literally for a full day the next day Mm -hmm. and then i gotta go back to work on the next on the day following and it just wasn't i didn't want that to come back to be like that's how i live my life where i had a few hours of pleasure to then like feel like crap for literally 24 hours or 48 depending on where you are
0: (laughs) for me it's 48 you know (laughs) I I am so much older than you. So, I guess that makes sense. No, no, um, no. I think that's really what a lot of people are starting to see is I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to I don't want to feel bad the next day. I had a friend that got married at the end of 2022 and I woke up the next morning and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this is awful." It was so fun in the moments but then the next day I just was like I don't remember half that wedding and that was probably truthfully my last friend wedding you get to a point where like you're not going to have weddings every weekend anymore and mm-hmm. that was probably my last one and so I look back on that and I'm a little bummed about it right and you know then you start going through that that whole cycle of What did I say? Who did I talk to? And then I woke up the next morning and I felt like garbage. And then I ordered a whole bunch of breakfast food and I sat on my couch like a bum all day, right? And that doesn't feel good, you know? If you were going to give advice to anyone who was considering being sober curious, what are like three things that you would share with somebody who is considering this for their life?
1: Yeah, I would say first and foremost, don't let someone else's discomfort with your choice change your why. Um, people will probably be uncomfortable, especially if they know you to be someone who drinks. Um, and if you haven't shared your why with them, that could be a good space to do that. But also don't use that as a reason to drink if you're not wanting to drink, right? Like it's very easy for people to be like, oh, well, now I'm uncomfortable. Maybe I shouldn't drink. And Are you sure you don't want to drink? Like, if you're not wanting to drink, stay true to yourself and don't drink. So that would be my first one. I would also say a word of advice, like, in the same realm of, like, don't let other people's discomfort sway your why or change how you behave. Sit in your own discomfort. I know not everyone is a journaler, but if you have a moment to reflect on, okay, I'm in this space of, Typically I would go and have wine after work because this is just what I would do out of either stress relief or whatever. Um, Sit with that. Like it's okay to be like, okay, so why, why would I want wine? And if you need a substitute, it's okay to do a substitute, whether it's non-alcoholic things, which I mean, there's an abundance of that. You can even go to Total Wine or your local beverage shop and find those and see if it's really the act of like having the ritual of drinking alcohol or is it the ritual of doing something after work that feels like calm because if that's the case then you can take something else either replace it or define a new ritual for yourself maybe it's less about like when i need calm i go and drink it could be when i need calm i light an incense and go sit out on the balcony for 10 minutes when i need calm i leave my physical space to go get some vitamin d i think you'll start to learn that as you explore so that's number two And then number three, you have to stand in your truth. If it's about vanity metrics, say that. Like, I really don't want to wake up puffy anymore. This is why I'm not drinking. Um, If it's about something larger, like if you think you might have a problem, and I don't want to, you know, negate that, you know, people stop consuming alcohol because sometimes there is a problem. Seek help. If you are stopping, like, for your own personal reasons of, like, again, I don't want to spend all day Sunday not doing the things I could be doing with my life because I'm hungover, like, that's okay, too. But establishing that why takes it back to number one. So you can, again, share that with people. But those will be my three things. Don't worry about other people's discomfort. Sit in yours and think about replacements. And then make sure you know your why.
0: Those are great pieces to end with. And thank you so much for joining today. I think it's a really important conversation to have and be unapologetic about it, right? I think owning why you're doing what you're doing, I think is the most important piece of this all. So thank you so much for being here, girl. And to all of you, thank you for being here for another episode of Unapologetically. Now get out there and live the best life you could ever imagine. Bye.